You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord Good morning. Glad to be with you this morning to study God's Word together. I uh, enjoyed getting to meet some of our guests this morning. Glad that you're here with us, uh, some from far away and some from close by. We're glad that you're here to worship God with us today. If you have your Bible with you, whether you're here in person or at home and with us on Zoom, uh, go ahead and open your Bible to the book of Philemon. Uh, we don't often get to Philemon because it's very small, but let's take a look at it today and next week. The book of Philemon. We just sang, we're part of the family that's been born again, part of the family whose love knows no end. And we sang, and sometimes we laugh together, sometimes we cry, sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs, talking about what it's like to be in the family of God. Okay, imagine that you and I are part of that same family, but almost 2,000 years ago, somewhere around the year 61 or 62 AD, when the church was very young. Imagine that we're part of a household of Christians in the city of Colossae, which today would be in western Turkey, about 100 or so miles from the western coast of Turkey. Some years ago, if you'll imagine, the master of our house, a man named Philemon, learned about Jesus through another man named Paul, an apostle of Jesus, who now travels around and starts churches in different places, though from what we hear, he's been kind of stuck for about the last year or so under house arrest in the city of Rome. Philemon, master of our house, became a follower of Jesus, and so did much of his household, including us. You and I became Christians too. Now, imagine that we, you and I, are slaves in Philemon's home. We're part of a group of slaves in his home. And you can't think like an American here, okay? Uh, Slavery in the Roman Empire was different from how it was in the United States. It wasn't a racial thing. Persons of any ethnic group, any race, could be enslaved in the Roman Empire. So let's imagine that you, you were born a slave, and Philemon bought you a few years ago before he and you became followers of Jesus. And in Philemon's household are a couple of slaves who, let's say, were taken as prisoners of war and were sold in the slave market. And I, I became a slave because I got myself too far into debt couldn't pay my debts off, and so I was sold to repay my debts. And some others in our household, like you, were born to slave mothers, and so they grew up in slavery. And there's even one man who chose to be a slave because his life was so bad before that he figures he's actually better off living as a slave to the kind of master that Philemon is, and so he sold himself into slavery. Most of our fellow slaves would rather be free Of course. I mean, who wouldn't, right? But that said, in this system, if your master is good, life as a slave can be okay. Can be. It's not for everyone. It's terrible for some. 
But some of the emperor's slaves are actually richer and more powerful than most free, wealthy people. So in some cases, it's advantageous to be a slave. And while a few slaves in our household tend to make life hard for our master, most are diligent workers, and a few have even come to be loved like part of the family. Well, one day, when we're just going about our work here in Philemon's home, a couple of travelers show up, a pair of men. We don't know the first man, but when we see the second man, our eyes get huge and our jaws drop. We never expected to see him again. The first man, the one we've never seen before, his name is Tychicus. He's come from Rome, and he's brought with him a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church here in our city. So that's exciting. We've heard of Paul, but we've never met him personally, most of us. But here's a letter from him to the church. But we're shocked when we see the person with him, a young man named Onesimus. We know Onesimus. He was one of Philemon's slaves, like us. But he ran away a while back. He just took off. Rumors say he stole money and supplies from Philemon when he left. But I I don't know if that's true. It could be. We're stunned to see Onesimus back because it's so dangerous for him to return. Society expects the master of a runaway slave, if he ever gets that slave back, to punish him severely. Sometimes we have even heard of returned slaves being beaten so badly that they died. And the reason for such severe punishment is obvious. If the punishment for running away were not severe, we would all run away. And slavery would just fall apart. And so you and I glance at each other and give each other that look that says, Onesimus is back? This is not going to be pretty. Word gets out quickly that a letter has come from the Apostle Paul. And that evening, the whole church gathers to Philemon's house to hear it read to us. Now, the church usually meets at Philemon's house, so it's nothing strange that they're all gathering here with us. They know where where the house is. They're used to coming. Philemon hosts them. We help make all that possible. And Tychicus, we find out, has a second letter also. Both are from the Apostle Paul. The first one's addressed specifically to the whole church, but the second one is, it's addressed to the church too, but more specifically to Philemon himself, our master. And Tychicus asks if he might read both letters to Philemon and the church before Philemon deals with his runaway slave, Onesimus. And so, once the church is gathered, Tychicus reads that first letter. Today we call that letter the Book of Colossians. It's in our our Bibles. We call it Colossians because it was written to the church in the city of Colossae. It's a teaching letter from Paul. It teaches us a bit about the exaltation of Jesus as the Son of God. It reminds us to be thankful. It instructs us in how to live for God. It's a powerful letter. As Tychicus reads it, it it hits us right in the heart. It even has instructions 
for slaves and masters who follow Jesus. Like, for example, our ears perk up when we hear uh, Tychicus read these words from Paul. Slaves, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now, that's not what we usually hear in our society. That's not what slaves usually say they want to do. But we hear that and we take it seriously for the sake of Jesus because we consider ourselves his slaves above all. And to the masters, and here we see Philemon listening intently, Paul says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And as we watch, our master Philemon nods his head to show that he understands. There's a greeting at the end of this letter from a man named Epaphras. We, we know him. He's from Colossae. He's from our city. And he started the church here. And there's a brief command to Archippus, who is one of the men in the church here. Paul tells him to finish the ministry that the Lord gave him. And then there's even a mention of Onesimus, whom Paul calls the faithful and dear brother who is one of you. And that's a surprise. Onesimus, when we last saw him, he was certainly not a Christian. And then after the first letter has been finished, it's time for that second letter to be read. Today we call it the book of Philemon. Although book is really an overstatement, it's, it's just a, a short personal letter. It's only about a page long in our Bibles. It's the shortest letter we have from the Apostle Paul. Tychicus reads it aloud to Philemon and to the whole church. And since we're at Philemon's house, all of us slaves, even those who don't follow Jesus, we all get to listen in and hear what Paul has to say to our master. And so Tychicus reads, <clears throat> Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So far, so good. Paul and his younger fellow minister, Timothy, are writing to our master, Philemon, a personal letter. And also, he also addresses the letter to Apphia and to Archippus. A lot of people today think those are Philemon's wife and Philemon's son, but they don't really know for sure because the Bible doesn't say. You and I, living in Philemon's house, we won't tell them any different. And Paul and Timothy write to the whole church that meets here in Philemon's home. So that means that whatever Paul wants Philemon to hear, he also wants everyone to hear. Tychicus reads on, verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. 
Well, this is so good. Kind, encouraging words from the Apostle Paul. Philemon really is a godly man. He is full of love for all God's people. His faith in the Lord Jesus is strong, as Paul writes here. We're glad to hear the great Apostle Paul say that he himself is encouraged and full of joy because of the way our master has refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Tychicus looks around at the group and then he gets into the main part of Paul's letter. Verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Hold on a second. That's different. We just went from Philemon is a really good and godly man to I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. What could be wrong so that the Apostle Paul would say to our master, a faithful follower of Jesus, that he could be bold and order him to do what he ought to do? We lean in to hear more clearly. Verse 8 again. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. There it is. This letter is about Onesimus. It's about what to do with this runaway slave. Paul says he could order Philemon to do the right thing. He could do that as an apostle of Jesus. He has the spiritual authority. But instead he appeals to him not as an apostle of Jesus, but as an old man and a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appealing on the basis of love. And he loves Philemon. You can hear that in his opening remarks. But he also indicates that he really loves Onesimus. He calls him his son who became Paul's son while Paul has been a prisoner, while he was in chains. So you and I start to put two and two together. When Onesimus ran away, he must have traveled all the way to Rome. That's a long trip. And somehow he met Paul there. That would be a fascinating story to hear, how they came into contact there. And Paul indicates that Onesimus has changed The name Onesimus means useful. It's a common name for people born as slaves. But like Paul says, Onesimus, useful, was formerly useless. But something's changed. Now, Paul says, he has become useful both to Philemon and to Paul. Tychicus reads further, verse 12. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, 
but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Oh my. You and I who are Philemon's slaves... And all those other slaves who are a part of the church also from other households and are gathered here with us. We all look at each other in astonishment. What did Paul just say? Paul is asking Philemon to receive Onesimus back mercifully. Welcome him as you would welcome me. But we all know what happens if you don't punish a runaway slave. Slavery itself will begin to unravel. So then we look to Philemon, our master, Onesimus' master. What will he do? Paul says, I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. Look at the pressure he's putting on Philemon. Could Philemon punish a young man whom Paul loves so much? Paul says he he would have liked to have kept Onesimus with him to help him in his ministry. And frankly, he could have done so, and, and Philemon probably would never have even found out. But since Onesimus is Philemon's slave, Paul wanted it to be Philemon's decision and voluntary, not forced. And then Paul suggests that maybe it was God's will that Onesimus ran away for a while. He says, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while, that's a nice way to put it, was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. So now that tells us that Onesimus became a follower of Jesus while he was away. Could it have been God's will that guided events to work out this way? You know, come to think of it, why did Paul even send Onesimus back? Deuteronomy 23, verse 15, in the law of Moses, the law that God gave to Israel over a thousand years before Paul's time, says, if a slave has taken refuge with you, do not hand them over to their master. So Paul was under no obligation to send Onesimus back according to the law of God. And yet he did send Onesimus back. Why? Does Paul support the institution of slavery? Well, I don't think he's a big fan of it. In other teaching letters, he encourages slaves to get their freedom if they can, and he commands free Christians not to become slaves. They are to be slaves of God only, as far as that's under their control. 
Why did he send Onesimus back? Well, life as a fugitive might not have been so great for Onesimus. He might have always had to be watching over his shoulder, staying on the move so he wouldn't get caught and sent back to his master. That's a hard way to live. And the church is still very young. It's only barely big enough to just be starting to come to the attention of the Roman authorities. The church doesn't have enough influence yet at this time to call for the abolition of slavery. Besides, at this time, pretty much every culture worldwide accepted slavery as a normal institution. Ending it would and did take centuries. Why did Paul send Onesimus back? Well, Onesimus is a different person now. He follows Jesus now. And whether slavery is right or wrong, whether Philemon is a good master or a cruel master, in the sight of society at least, Onesimus has wronged his master, who is now his brother in Christ. And so, for the sake of Jesus, who gave his life for us, he needed to go back and make things right with his brother, Philemon. Onesimus is just a little bit like the man I heard about years ago who committed a crime and got away with it. The police knew who had done it, but they couldn't, they couldn't find him. He went into hiding. He was on the run for a couple of years. But then he met some Christians and learned about Jesus, became a follower of Jesus. And then, to honor God, he had to make what he had done wrong right as well as he could. And so he went back to the authorities and he turned himself in. And he spent the next few years in prison paying his debt to society. And that honored God. He did his best to make things right. Onesimus has all the more reason to make things right with Philemon because they are now brothers in Christ. And so Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon. And here we are today, fellow slaves in Philemon's household, watching all this, wondering what Philemon will do. Welcome him as you would welcome me, Paul writes to Philemon. But if Philemon does, what will the other slave masters in Colossae think? It could really make Philemon look bad if he fails to punish his runaway slave. That sets a bad precedent. Besides, Onesimus isn't innocent. Should he just get away with what he's done? Shouldn't, be, shouldn't people be held accountable when they do wrong? And yet, Paul not only asks, and wait a second, is Paul asking or is he commanding? I'm not sure, because when an apostle of Jesus asks, that's not very far from a command. But Paul said he's appealing to Philemon out of love. So I guess he's technically asking, not ordering. 
Paul not only asks Philemon to welcome Onesimus back, but also offers to pay back to Philemon anything Onesimus owes him. And so maybe, uh, maybe Onesimus did steal from Philemon when he ran away. Or maybe we could say he owes Philemon for lost revenue that Onesimus would have generated for the household if he had stayed. Either way, Paul offers to personally repay it all. But then he adds, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Which hints that Paul was involved in bringing Philemon to Jesus some time back. Now, we, uh, we today know that Paul worked in the city of Ephesus, about 100 miles from Colossae, for about two years. And so some people today think Paul might have met Philemon when Paul was working there in Ephesus. Maybe he taught Philemon about Jesus there, and then Philemon later returned to Colossae. That's possible, but we don't actually know the story of how Paul brought Philemon to Christ. But since Philemon owes Paul so much, how can he demand that Paul repay him for anything Onesimus stole? And Paul may be asking, not telling, not commanding, but he does say, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Obedience. Paul's asking, not quite ordering Philemon to do the right thing in the sight of God. And then Paul says, and one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. That's interesting. Paul's hoping to be released soon, set free. That's great news. And when he is set free, he hopes to come and see us, us here in Colossae. Won't that be wonderful? And yet, we see Philemon chuckling to himself. Doesn't this sound a little bit like a threat? Like Paul saying that when he's set free, he might travel here to check up on us and see what happened with Onesimus? Tychicus reads the closing of the letter. Verse 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Epaphras is that man who started the church in Colossae, but is now with Paul. He was mentioned in the other letter as well. The other four men are some of Paul's fellow missionaries. Two of them, Mark and Luke, will write books about Jesus' ministry a few years later, and those books will become part of the church's Bibles. And Paul closes the letter with a prayer for the Lord's grace to be with Philemon and the church. So the letter has been read. Philemon has heard the whole thing with the church here listening and with all of us slaves here listening too. So now, what will Philemon do with his runaway slave? He might have spent the last few years 
being angry with Onesimus for running away, for robbing him. What will he do? What does Paul think would be the right thing for Philemon to do? Paul's letter to Philemon is a strange document for the ancient church to have included in our Bible. It says nothing about Jesus dying on the cross. That's just not in there. There's none of Paul's usual teaching about how Jesus transforms our relationship with God or how we should therefore live. You get those in, say, his letter to the Colossians, but not in his letter to Philemon. And yet, if you think about it, Paul is asking Philemon and Onesimus both to live like Jesus. As Jesus forgives us all, so Paul appeals to Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And maybe Onesimus needs to forgive Philemon too in order to come back and and work under his authority. As Jesus reconciles us to God and to one another, So Paul works here to reconcile Onesimus and Philemon in the Lord. Most of all, as God gives us a new identity in Christ, so Paul calls Philemon to recognize Onesimus' new identity in Christ. He calls Philemon to receive Onesimus back, as he says in verse 16, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Paul doesn't say stop owning slaves. That wouldn't have made sense in their culture. But he does call master and slave to look past their marks of status in their society and to see each other as brothers in the Lord. I mean, if Philemon looks at Onesimus no longer as a slave but as a dear brother, how's Philemon going to start looking at you and me? And that brotherly love that Paul calls him to causes slavery as an institution of oppression to begin to lose its power. It begins to unravel as the master learns to love his slave as God loves his slave and the slave learns to honor his master for the sake of Jesus who is master of us all. Certainly, if our master Philemon does what Paul is asking him to do, it's going to change not only his relationship with Onesimus, but his relationship with all of us slaves in his household. It'll all be different. And for us slaves, it'll make the world a better place. And then we begin to wonder about other situations. If you, as a Christian, employ other Christians... How should you treat them? You are the boss. They're your worker. And yet you're brothers and sisters in Christ. How should you treat them? Or if someone did you wrong some time back, but since then they've begun to follow Jesus, they've truly changed like Onesimus did, and now they come to you to try to make things right, what should you do? Should you hold a grudge? What should you do? What would you do if you were Philemon? Or from another angle, do you know any Philemons and Onesimuses, two people who are estranged because one has done wrong to the other, and is there any way you can sort of be a Paul for them to pray for them, maybe even help them to reconcile 
Jesus gave his life to reconcile us to God. What would you do if you were Philemon? Unfortunately, we don't have any record of what he actually did in response to Paul's letter. I wish the church would have saved that information, but we just don't have it. His slaves knew, I'm sure. We do have one clue. And that's the fact that this letter was kept and was shared among the churches. The church in Colossae had it, and they shared it with other churches, and it spread and was used in churches across Christendom as as Christendom expanded. And the church uh, valued it so much they kept it as, as Scripture. And that suggests that Philemon did not take Paul's letter and tear it up and throw it in the fire. But he kept it and did the right thing. Probably, it sounds like, it seems like he graciously, mercifully welcomed Onesimus home and loved him as his brother in Christ. Maybe, maybe he even set him free to travel back to Rome and help Paul in his ministry. We, we don't know. We don't know. What if we could really go all the way in doing what Paul urged Philemon to do? What if we could look past the labels of slave and master? Look past the labels of boss and worker, teacher and student, prison warden and prisoner, police officer and the person he caught speeding, rich and poor, strong and weak, and simply love each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, whatever our situation, whatever the the role God has given us in society. How would that change the way we conducted ourselves in those roles? There were still masters and slaves in the church in Paul's time. But in Jesus, those relationships are transformed. If we could receive each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, above all else, if we could forgive each other as the Lord forgave us, we would be truly living out what that song says. We are part of the family that's been born again. We would be one in the Spirit and one in the in the Lord. May God bless you today. Let's pray. Lord God, having been um, slaves of Philemon for a few minutes, we come before you as people dedicated to being slaves of God, our Creator, our good Father. Lord God, teach us how we should live. Help us, uh, Lord, to live with uh, the kind of love for one another that you were teaching Philemon and Onesimus to have for each other. Regardless of who's in charge and who's not, uh, regardless of who's great and who's small, who's strong and who's weak, who's rich, who's poor. But Lord, let those of us uh, who are lowly be raised up in Christ. Let those of us who, who have more or, or who are, are more privileged Uh, Dear God, to use what you've given us as a blessing to all those around us, that we may all be brothers and sisters through Jesus, your son. We thank you so much for Jesus who led the way in this, who gave his life for us, who died so that his blood might become payment for our sin, to take away our guilt and our shame and to bring us into a good relationship with you, our creator, our God. Lord God, we love you. We ask you for this blessing in the name of Jesus, your son. 